Jewish audio on Kaban.org. Rambam. Hilchais Matnas Aniim. The laws of gifts to the poor. Pedak Shishi, chapter 6. So we dealt with a whole list of laws of gifts to the poor. We dealt with Leket, Shikha, Peya, and today we deal with a very interesting gift and a very interesting overview of the agricultural cycle. Aleph 1, Matono Acheres, Shishish, Shishis, Yesh Loaniim. In addition to Leket, Peret, Olelot, Shikha, Peya, <coughs> which are the various names for the gifts we talked about up to now, there is a sixth gift that comes to the poor of Israel, the who, and that gift would be Hamaiser, the tithing which are given to the poor. And this special tithe given to the poor, Hanikra is called Maser Oni, the tithing of the poor. Not to be confused with the other tithes. It's a separate animal. Let's not confuse it with the Maser that comes to the Levi. Let's not confuse it with Meiser Shani, which the farmer takes to Jerusalem. This is a whole new entity called Meiser Oni. And here, <coughs> the Rambam gives us a very beautiful overview. We have a similar overview to this in Rashi and Chumash. This then would be the general order of the heave offerings and the tithes. So if we're looking for a complete picture, there's no better picture than this. After the farmer harvests the harvest of the land, which means if he's harvesting grain or other produce from the earth, or assuming he's doing fruits from trees, he's gathering the fruits from the trees, and the work is done. So the first obligation of the farmer is mafrish mimenu, he sets aside from that, echod minachamishim, one fiftieth. In modern mathematics, or in mathematical terms, not modern, but mathematical terms, that's 2%. This is called the large gift of truma, the main truma. 2% of the crop. And we're going to learn the details of what truma is by Torah law, and so on and so forth. There's... The more righteous, the less righteous, but it averages at one-fiftieth. And the farmer gives it to the Kohen. And that is the truma, the sacred food of the Kohen. 
with regard to this 2% gift, the Torah teaches us, Reishis, the first part, the beginning, the gun chav, your grain. Tireish chav yitzarecha, your wines and your oils. So that, step one, is truma. V'achakach, and following that, mafrish, he sets apart, min hashar, from the balance of the produce, from the remaining 98%, echad me'asora, one-tenth. V'zehu hanikra, and this one-tenth is called ma'aserisha in the first tithe. What happens to this one-tenth of the remaining produce? V'neisnalalevi, the farmer gives it to the levi. This is called the tithe of the levi. From this, the levi lives. The Kohen has 23 other gifts. For the Kohen, it's only a 2% gift and it's holy food. For the Levi, it's his everyday money. This is his living. 10% of the balance after the 2%. And for this, regarding this, the Torah says, Because the tithing of the children of Israel, I gave it to the Levi and so on. I've given all the tithes of Israel to the Levites. This is what the Levi lives from. Okay? So we have Truma and we have Maser. Now what? The Achakach and following that Mafish, he sets aside Minashar from the balance, whatever's left. Echod Measara, another 10% of the balance. This is called the second tithe. Why is it called the second tithe? Because we already had a first tithe. <coughs> Whereas the first tithe goes to the levy, what happens to the second tithe? The who? It belongs, Libolov, to the farmer, to the owners. What do they do with it? The farmer had to take it, this produce, or, as we will learn, redeem it into money and take the money and spend the money in Jerusalem, Yerushalayim, where they had to take and purchase food and wine, gather together friends and family. My father, of blessed memory, said, What is my Sersheni? My Sersheni is a Fabringen. The farmer takes the money and goes to the Makolet and buys food and makes a Fabringen. So that he has the spiritual experience of Jerusalem. We all love Neymar. With regard to this, it says, If a man will redeem his tithe, because you can't expect the second tithe to last forever. It's only produce. That's, I guess that's before they had uh, all the preservatives with red dye number three and so on. You shall surely tithe, and you shall take this produce and eat it before God your God. That's called the second tithe. Okay, but all of that does not have anything to do with what we just started talking about, and that is the tithe of the poor. <coughs> so he says, <coughs> excuse me, Allah say that has uh, the above order, Mafrishim, the farmer sets aside, Bishonarishenam in in the seven year cycle. There is a seven year cycle. The seventh year, as we will learn, is the sabbatical year. 
in this seven-year cycle. Year one, or Bashniya, year two, or Birvius, year four, or Bachamishis, and year five. So year one and two, not three. Year four and five, not six. This is the order. What's the order? Truma, Maiserishin, Maisersheni. The heave offering to the Kohen, first tithe to the Levi, second tithe the farmer takes to Jerusalem. Avobat. What about the third and sixth year of the seven year cycle? It has a different priority list. The truma remains the same. The first tithe to the Levi remains the same. But after that, instead of Maiser Sheni, Mafrish Minashar, from the rest, he takes off 10%. Masarachar, a different 10%, not the same 10% we talked about. And he gives it to the poor. This is a bonus that the Torah gives third and sixth year, as we will learn, to the poor of Israel. And this is called the tithe of the poor. <coughs> and in these two years, which two years? The third and sixth year of the seven-year cycle, there is no regular second tithe which the farmer takes to Jerusalem. Instead of that, there is Maser Oni, this poor man's tithe. The all of Nama regarding this, it is said in the verse, Mitzay Shalashonim, that at the end of three years, meaning the third year, Tetzias Kalmasa Tuoscha, you shall bring forth the tithe of your produce, Bashonahi in that year, Vinachta Bisharecha. <coughs> and you shall place it in your gates, and the lady comes. We all love Naman, and regarding this it says, when you will have completed. So at the end of the third year, you have to make sure that you have to discharge all of your pledged gifts. Make sure you have nothing you're holding for the Kohen, for the lady, and for the poor. So we've covered years one and two and four, and five, which has Truma, Maser, and Maser Sheni. We've covered years three and six, which has Truma, Maser, and Maser Oni. <coughs> now he says, please excuse the coughing, I have this cold and I'm still fighting. Getting better. Hey, Shnas Hashmita, the seventh year or the sabbatical year, kula hefker. Everything is open to everyone. There is no ownership. Everything belongs to everyone. And therefore, the einba, there is nothing like truma, because the farmer doesn't own it any more than the Kohen does. So it's everybody take as you wish. There's no Truma, there's no Maizris, Leirishin, there's no first tithe, Leishani, no second tithe, Leimaiseroni, no poor man's tithe. Why? Because in Israel the land lies fallow, and everyone can take whatever produce is there. So therefore there are no gifts. That is true in Israel proper. 
because the sabbatical year rules affect Israel proper. But what about Obachutz Loretz? What about in the surrounding countries? Surrounding Israel. She'ein boshmitas karka. Where? And he says here in the note that when we talk about Chutzlaris, the diaspora here, he doesn't mean it in a broad way. He doesn't mean California. He means the lands close to Israel, as we will enumerate. She'ein boshmitas karka, where there is no sabbatical year rule. Mafrishin, there we do set aside... Be'aretz Mitzrayim, for example, in the land of Egypt. Of Amon and Moab, and in Amon and Moab, those parts that did not become Transjordan, because the parts that did become Transjordan are part of Israel. So, our sages instituted that we should set aside, I'm sorry, it's not correct. Our sages did not institute it. He's going to say soon, it's a halacha l'meishim isinai. That we should observe the first tithe to the levy and the second tithe to the farmer. Because these lands, Egypt, Ammon and Moab are so close to Israel. What happens? Because the sabbatical year, the economy in Israel goes into turmoil. So if we can bring in additional foods and funds from out of Israel, it will be a blessing for the poor. This is a rule given by Hashem to Moshe on Mount Sinai. Not based anywhere in the written law per se. That in the lands of Ammon and Moab, they should set aside the poor man's tithe in the sabbatical year. And do what with it? Bring it to Israel to benefit the poor. Abel be'eret Shinar, but in the land of Shinar, which is Babylon, Iraq, Mafrishin Beshvius, Meister Sheini, the custom developed where they do the second tithe in the sabbatical year, like the order of the majority of years. I imagine that is to encourage the Babylonian Jews to come to Israel with the second tithe. So that's the overview, and that's where the poor man's tithe comes in. Third year and sixth year. Six, my sedition, Halevi. What happens to this first tithe which the Levi takes? This is his personal food. As the Torah says, just like the farmer has his food come from the ground, the Levi has his living come from the miser. And therefore, <coughs> the levi mafrish mimeno must set aside from it echad measara one out of ten, one tenth. and the levi has to give a tenth to the kohen. Wanikra trumas meiser. This is called the truma of the meiser. Now, whereas the truma of the farmer is two percent, the truma of the levi is ten percent. We all of nemar biel halavim to daber. Regarding this gift, the verse says, and speak to the levi, and tell the levi to take maaser of the maaser. <coughs> Zayin. Now that we have these facts straight, balasodah. What if the farmer, shavru alabaniim, where poor people pass by him? 
The farmer is there and he sees poor people. And he has some of this poor man's tithe. What should he do? As we will learn, if at all possible, he should give each of the poor people who pass by him a portion of the tithe that will, to some extent, satisfy him. As it says, They shall eat it in your gates, and they shall be satiated. So the Torah talks about satiating the poor. Now the question is, that's nice, but how do you translate that? How much is a portion that satisfies him? So here the Rambam gives us some measurements. If he's giving wheat, he should not give less than half a cup. If he's giving barley, not less than a cup. If he's giving spelt, not less than a cup. If from dried figs, not less than a cob. If from a mass of figs, should give him no less than the weight of 25 sloyim. If he's giving wine, no less than half a lug. If he's giving oil, he should give him not less than a fourth of a lug. If he's giving rice, if he's giving him vegetables, he should give him a liter weight, the weight of 35 if he's giving carobs, three cobs, if he's giving nuts, 10 afreskin, if he's giving peaches, Hamisha five, Minarimain and Pomegranate, Shnaim two, Estrig one, Vimnosle Mishara Paris, and we gave him from any other fruits, Layifas Mikdashim Krem, Vikak Bidmeyam, Bosnish Te Sudis. He should give him enough where if he sells them, he'll make enough to eat a basic meal for two meals. So that's if the farmer had a lot of produce, or if he had very few poor people. Tess, Hoyale Dabar Muit, what if he had only a little bit, Miser Oni? And he had a big line of poor people. He doesn't have enough to give everybody the above-mentioned minimums. He could put down what he has before them. And they should organize themselves and divide it on their own. Now, the question is, where is this Maeser Oni distributed? Sometimes in the house? And sometimes at the threshing floor. When it's distributed at the threshing floor, the farmer has no right to choose recipients. Because the poor have equal footing at the threshing floor. They can take whatever is available of this gift. The poor can take whether the farmer likes them or he doesn't like them. Even if the farmer is a poor man himself, this tithe given in the third and sixth year, this 10% to the poor, can be extricated from the farmer, even the poor farmer, whether he likes it or not. But when somebody takes... 
his tithe to the poor into his house. Yes, like Tevis Hano, here he can pick and choose recipients. Yes, like Tevis Hano, Labalim, and Esnel Chonashayitza, being that it's his house, he can give it to any recipient he wants to. Here comes some interesting scenarios. What if he had this tithe at the threshing floor? And he wants to give it to a poor man who's his relative or good friend. And there are other poor who want it. Yes, he can take half of what he has, set it aside for his friend or relative. And the other half he can distribute randomly to any poor man who comes. When does this apply where he only gives the poor man according to his level of satiation in the field? But if this tithe came into the house, then he can give even smaller portions. He can give even the size of an olive to every poor person. Because this commandment only applies in the field, not in the house. Because he doesn't have. In your gates, they shall eat. In your house, they eat what you have. Okay. Here are some interesting, often quoted laws. We're talking about this gift to the poor. What if a man and a woman and a woman arrived at the house together? They're both poor. And they both are looking for this tithe for the poor. Who gets first? The man or the woman? So he says, the farmer should give the woman first. Well, pay to and let her go on her way. And then and only again give to the man. Commentaries explain because it's a greater challenge for a woman who has to go begging than for a man. Therefore, there should be a greater sensitivity to the woman. Now, on another level, of what if there is an adult father and son? One is the farmer and the other is poor. Ish ukreve, a man and his relative, shnei achim, two brothers, shnei shutafin, two partners, shoya echad mehem oni, one of them, and we're going to learn the laws of what constitutes poor. One of them is considered poor, and the other one has to give tithe. Nason leyachem, I say, honor there's no reason that the first, in the case of the father and the son, or the two brothers, or the two partners, there's no reason that the first shouldn't give the second. His poor, uh, meiser, his meiser for the poor. So that way, people can help people related to them. What if you have two poverty-stricken people who thank God they got a job to harvest a field and they're going to receive a share of the harvest? But until they receive the share of the harvest, they have nada. They're starving. So the truth is that they're two poor people. They both entered in this, into this sharecropping agreement. 
So a sharecropper becomes an owner. An owner has to give charity. One could give his charity to the other. And the other could give his charity to the first. And the logic here is, I believe, is because until they actually have it, they don't have it. Tesvav, Amakabal, Sadalikzer, if somebody receives a field to harvest, Osir Beleket, Shikhopeo, Maseroni, then he himself is forbidden to collect his own gifts to the poor, even though he's poor. So he can't take his own leket, his own shikha, his own peya, his own maiseroni. A masai, when does this apply that he can't do that? When his contract calls for the fact that he gets a portion, let's say 33% of the entire field. He gave him a third, or a fourth, 25%. So then... As he's working, he owns 25%, and perhaps he's not poor anymore. I believe that's the meaning. But if the owner said, First you harvest it, and then once it's harvested, a third will be yours, or fourth, in that case, until everything is done, 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 he has nothing. And therefore, at the time of the harvest, until the job is 100% done, he is considered poor. Therefore, at that point in time, it's not his. So, he would be permissible to take the poor man's gifts. However, the Osir, he is forbidden by Maseroni, because the tithe to the poor is only given after the harvest is complete. Once the harvest is complete, he already merited his portion. And there is a note here where he explains the fine difference between the first scenario, where he's not allowed to, and the second scenario, where he is allowed to. What if a person sells his field? He sells both the land and the produce. So he has no more land and no more produce. And now he's poor. Then there's no reason he cannot benefit from the poor man's gifts of his field that he sold. But the buyer may not benefit. Even though the buyer did not yet give money. Because by Jewish law, there is, and we learned about this earlier extensively, something called a kinyan. Where you lift something up or pull it or tug it or take possession of it and that makes it yours and you owe the money. So the fact that the buyer paid or didn't pay doesn't mean that he has not acquired it. So it's possible that the buyer has acquired it, the seller has sold it, even though the buyer didn't pay money and the seller didn't receive money. Even if the buyer was a pauper who borrowed the money and purchased it so he can make a living, 
Still, because it's his field, he may not take the gifts to the poor, whereas the seller who divested himself of it and sold it, he is permissible. He is permitted. And here in 17, the closing paragraph of this chapter, the Rambam points out some general laws which pertain to the tithe of the poor. Maiser Oni, the Torah, legislated this tithe for the poor to help poor people, but to help them live and eat. It's not to be used to pay debts. Let's say the poor man is standing by the threshing floor. He receives something. His creditor grabs it away from him. It's not to pay debts. It shouldn't even be used as an act of kindness by the poor man to somebody else. It's for his sustenance. The first thing, tagmulis, would be an exchange of favors. For example, I'll give you this because you gave me a loan in the past. No. But if you want to do a mitzvah, that's fine. However, he should tell the recipient that what he just gave him is charity money from the tithe to the poor. It should not even be used to redeem captives. It's for this man to eat. And it's not made for any type of wedding gifts. We will learn that there's an extensive set of laws about gifting brides and grooms at weddings. And uh, I gave you, you gave me, and so on. This tithe for the poor should not be used to discharge obligations of wedding gifts. (laughs) <laughs> it should not be given by this poor man for charity. It's not something that charity should be given from. It can be given to a scholar and sage in the city to give him honor, I think it means, and it's not insulting him. This is a special charity that was instituted by the Torah to benefit the poor of Israel, and therefore it should not be taken out of Israel. As it says, You shall place it in your gates. You shall eat it in your gates. And be satiated. End of chapter 6.